0: Welcome to the old-school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 630 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now... Our speaker. All right, everybody. Hi, I'm, uh, again, I'm Dan and I am a recovering anorexic. And I'm so glad to be here right now. I really want to thank Deborah for asking me to share. Uh, I've known Deborah since I got abstinent. I got abstinent April 1st. No, I'm sorry, April 2nd. It was not on April Fool's Day. <laughs> April 2nd. 1995 and so that means i have 27 and a half years of abstinence and i it's uh thank you it's odd to get applause for that but i it's important to say it it's important to take candles and it's important to acknowledge it really is and every year around my birthday i get uncomfortable and i feel like i'm being selfish and egotistical by taking a candle and I don't take the candle for me. I take the candle for other people. And, um, it's important. It's really important. And I also always say that, uh, I celebrate daily a 65 pound weight gain from my lowest weight. Um, but it just means a lot to be in this meeting with people that I really feel saved my life. I really feel that Nancy D Deborah M. Jack, other familiar faces. I mean, they're at my home meeting in Serenity Sunday where I got abstinence nearly 27 years ago. and It just means so much to me. Like, I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. And um, I have an incredible life today because of recovery. And I, I should have died. Like, I had therapists tell me, you know, you're lucky to be alive. They weren't really even talking about anorexia. They were talking about what led me to anorexia. And I'll get into a little bit of that in my share. But Anyway, what it was like, what it was like was I um, grew up in a very abusive household, alcoholic household. My mother, um, I've come to see and believe was a rape survivor. She didn't deal with that. She didn't get help for that. Instead, she joined a homophobic, racist, chauvinistic, anti-Semitic religious cult. And that was her way of trying to deal with what had happened to her as a child. And um, it didn't work out very well. That plan didn't work out very well. And, um, you know, I had to turn to something. I had no tools. When I was a young adult, I came out of the closet at 20. And that's when my anorexia hit. I had no tools for living. I had no way to navigate. I think I probably had the emotional maturity, of probably a 12-year-old when I was 20 years old. And I came to LA when I was 20, was not at all ready to hear about truth. Um, I had to do some work around healing from that really abusive uh, religious upbringing, cult upbringing. Um, so I went, out, I went to like six meetings. I didn't identify as an anorexic. I thought I was an overeater. I, you know, I was uncomfortable with food. I felt guilty about eating. And I thought, well, if I feel guilty about eating, that must mean I'm an overeater. So I'll go to OA. And I did. It wasn't ready and took five more years from the time I was 20 to 25. I moved into a new apartment building where I met Deborah M. And um, But because of that earlier time, and I did need to have those five years again to kind of do some other work around the, uh, religious stuff. And then, but again, didn't identify as an overeater came to uh, went back to OA, went to serenity Sunday for nine months, kept losing weight, thought that if I feel guilty about eating, I must be an overeater. I felt full after I ate. I, by this point, I had discovered some other type of spirituality. I was living a very monastic life. Um, I felt guilty about everything. I always say anorexia is not a food disorder for me. It's a life disorder. All areas of my life I shut down. Um, and <clears throat> I kept coming to OA and I kept, and I, I thought, you know, I was obsessed with food, so obsessed with food. By the time I was 25 and I came back to OA, I was so obsessed with food. It was like, it was like the voices could have come out of my mouth. They were so loud in my head and uh, again, I just thought, well, if I'm obsessed with food, it must be that I'm eating. I'm eating too much, and I have to eat less, and I have to learn to eat less. and And I I came to Serenity Sunday, and I started taking chips and candles as an overeater, and I started losing more and more weight. I was I'm one I'm about 190 now, 185, 190, and my going weight was that my first five minutes. Yes, thank you. My going weight back then was about 145 which was very thin. I didn't see it. I just didn't see it. And then in a way, I got to my lowest weight. That's where I hit bottom in anorexia in, in a way, um, I got to be about 125 pounds. I'm six five. I've come to learn that that's the weight of my skeleton. And I was walking around Los Angeles. I was a walking skeleton, literally. And, um, and I have a lot of stories about the distortion and truly, truly feeling like when overeaters talked about early on, I would hear overeaters talk about how they would all if they didn't have any feelings, they only felt hungry. My anorexic version of that was I didn't have feelings, I just felt full. I just always felt full. Everything was too much. It was always too much. I always take a break whenever I share my story. If I'm sharing in a non-AB focused meeting, I always take a moment and I share a quick aside story about my friend Margo, because I'm sure there might be some people in this meeting who are kind of upset that they have to sit and listen to an anorexic for 18 minutes. But, um <laughs> My friend Margo years ago told me the story of how she got into OA in the first six months. She didn't have a program. She didn't have a higher power, but she used OA and she used the tools and she lost, I think, 60 pounds in three or four months or something, some crazy number. And she told me on the phone, she just told me her story. She said that her weight, when her weight was taken from her, she said that she felt naked and she felt ripped of her barrier. And she felt seen and exposed, and she got attention from people and from men and women and all this stuff. And she said she didn't have the spiritual muscle to handle that level of exposure. And when she told me that, I realized that Margot and her overeating hid behind her food obsession and her weight. And what that meant for me was I realized in that moment that as an anorexic, I don't do that, I hide behind smallness. I disappear into smallness. I don't disappear behind something, I just disappear. And in the, I learned that it really is the same disappearing act and it's about not taking up space and not existing. And I've talked to a lot of compulsive readers who, who shared that they really relate to that disappearing act. So I just wanna say that I really do see it as one disease. And through recovery, I don't have to disappear anymore. I can take up space. And for me, I take up space when I own and satisfy my human appetites. That's me getting bigger in a healthy way. That's me taking up space. So anyway, um, back to my story, lots of anorexic horror stories. Again, I heard an anorexic years ago share not years ago, a few during the pandemic a year ago on, on a meeting, say that she came across came upon her anorexia honestly. And what that means for me, it really resonated with that. And what that means for me is in my anorexia, I wasn't wanting to get thin. i was it wasn't about being thin, and it wasn't about vanity and it wasn't about looking good. It was about feeling guilty for existing and what i mean by coming upon it honestly was that is that i wasn't in my mind eating less i i just i ate less food because i didn't want to feel guilty anymore eating less and less and less was my only way out of feeling guilty and it made sense if i feel horribly guilty after i eat then eat less food like what a solution If I feel like I've eaten 10 candy bars after having four carrot sticks, eat three carrot sticks. That was my solution to the guilt. And it wasn't until I got abstinent in a way from anorexia. And there's a whole story there. I feel like I'm taking a lot of time on what it was like, but, um, it wasn't until I got abstinent that I questioned the guilt And I thought maybe the problem is my guilt around food and not the food. And and there's a whole story about this meatloaf sandwich that I ate. And I walked up to a friend in OA and I told her I had just binged. And I said, I just ate a whole meatloaf sandwich and I'm a binger. I'm an overeater and I need help. And she looked at me and she laughed and she said, you have to know that you didn't just binge. And And this was when I was 125 pounds. I actually believe that meatloaf sandwich probably saved my life looking back. And... Five minutes? Uh, I'm sorry? Five minutes. That's five minutes. Okay. So that's not 10 minutes. That's five minutes. That's 10 total. That's 10 minutes total. Okay, good. So, So anyway, yeah. So that meatloaf sandwich saved my life. I came out of denial from anorexia and I started eating food and I started eating three balanced meals a day, snacks if I need them. And I had a miracle of recovery. I gained 45 pounds in two months. And I was like shot back to life. And everyone always used to say in Serenity Sunday, if you want to find out why you're eating or not eating or barfing or doing any of the following behaviors, stop doing those behaviors and you're going to find out why. And that's exactly what happened. I, start, I started eating, I got my weight back, and suddenly everything that was fine in my life wasn't fine. Suddenly I had pain and feelings that I didn't have words for. And suddenly, and I'll never forget, and I really do want to get to where I'm at today. Um, I'll never forget being on the floor in the fetal position with Daryl on the other end of the phone, crying so hard that my sides hurt and her asking me why I was crying. And I, remember, and I said, I don't know. I don't know why. And she said very calmly, well, we're going to find out. And then she very, also very calmly said, there's a reason for your anorexia and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And while I didn't completely get to the bottom of it with Daryl, I think what she meant was we as a fellowship, we together are going to heal. And that's exactly what happened. And I don't believe I was born anorexic. I believe I picked up anorexia as a survival tool. And my recovery has been basically doing exactly, just doing that next indicated thing, using the program and the steps to get through the food so that I can see what's really going on so that I can heal my life. I can heal what's underneath my anorexia. And by doing that thing, doing that, using the tools of the program, I've worked the steps many times. I want to talk about the four step in a minute. Um, Doing that year after year, that this path of recovery that we're on, that I'm on, where I honestly face my life and I face what's really going on and I look within for my healing and I rely on a higher power to, to do for me what I can't do for myself. And that includes my healing. My life has gotten really good. My life has gotten really, really, really good. And, you know, I had a lot of pain to walk through in, in the early part of my, my recovery because of. You know I, I come from real pain in my life, real family abuse it's real. I've had to learn about abusive love and why I was attracted to abusive love and why how, where it came from in my family. I define abusive love as the intertwining of love and danger, and that was my life. Everyone I knew was like, "I love you, but watch out, you know and I learned real love in a way. I learned non-abusive love in Overeaters Anonymous. And I've been able to take that out into my real life. And today I'm married, I mean, against the odds, I'm married to a loving, available, very non-dangerous man. I have a loving, calm, safe family home life. That is a miracle from where I come from. And I love it when people say my disease was not the problem, it was the solution. My anorexia was the solution to pain. It was a survival tool. If I shut myself down, I didn't have to feel and I didn't have to face what I couldn't face. And and so, you know, I've worked the steps multiple times. One of the biggest things I learned in my fourth step this was like, I think, my second or third four step. I learned that as an anorexic, the thing that makes me most uncomfortable is goodness, joy, pleasure. Um, in that four step, I remember writing, if I don't let happiness in or goodness or whatever, fill in the blank, then happiness can never be taken from me. And that's kind of the, the trip of anorexia. It's I'm going to annihilate myself first before you have a chance to annihilate me. And today I risk happiness. I risk a good life. You know, I have my higher power gave me my desires for a reason, and gave me my heart's desire for a reason. And I believe it's my higher power's will that I let those things in. And that I do the work with my, my higher power's help to remove the blocks that keep me from letting them in. And I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about creativity. I'm talking about money. I was a money anorexic man. I felt bad about wanting money. I felt bad about spending money. I felt bad about having money. And to me, it's an anorexia issue. And that's why I bring it up in a way. It's an an anorexia issue. And I mean, for me, my, my, my thing with anorexia was I was afraid if I let in my appetites, they would consume me. I really believed I would become a shopaholic if I started shopping. I really believed I would become a sexaholic if I started having sex. I really believed I would be an overeater if I started eating foods I enjoyed. I really believed it. And I've had to like face that with a higher power that isn't the god of anorexia and find out that i actually don't i don't go to those places i actually just get happy i just and i don't know what the compulsive overeating version of that story is but i know there is one and for me it's about letting go absolutely i have to let go of control of every area of my life if i want my higher power to bring me my heart's desire in every area of my life i really really do And that's what I've been doing, and I'm still doing it. And as the result, I have this dream life that I never had. They used to say that we base our dreams on our our level of self-worth. And I didn't have the self-worth earlier in my life to dream of the life I have today. I really didn't. I know I wanted to be successful in one area of my life, and I was willing to sacrifice everything else for that. And my higher power, very lovingly said, no, sorry, that's not good enough for you. I want more for you. I want more for you. And that and OA and the people in OA and the process that OA offers me has given me the ability and the willingness to slow down and allow what my higher power wants for me. And it is way better than what I planned. It is way better. And it's multifaceted. And... So I just, I just feel so lucky. I'm so lucky. And I really want to say to anyone on this call, you are so lucky to be here. You are so lucky to be here. I came here when I was 20. And then I came back at 25. And I remember sitting in Serenity Sunday, just being like, this is it. This is what I get. I've got friends that are touring Japan and, you know, whatever musical or whatever show. And I'm sitting on a Sunday morning dealing with my eating disorder. And I felt so ripped off. And I am here to tell you, like, that is the opposite. I have. That's it. I have one minute. I have one minute. That is the opposite of how I feel today. I feel so lucky that my higher power got me to OA and that I found true recovery in my life. And I still need this program to help me let in. I always say I needed a higher power to help me allow goodness in, and I need a higher power to help me c- to continue to allow goodness in. And that that's why I keep coming back, because my life continues to expand. And I'm my, my mantra in OA is I'm willing to be big, and I'm willing to get bigger. I'm willing to be big, I'm willing to get bigger. And that doesn't just mean my body. Of course it means that, but it means, I'm willing to to allow the expansion of my heart's desire to happen in my life. And um, one day at a time, I get to live that life with with the help of you guys. So thanks for being here. I'm so grateful and I'm so lucky, thanks.